Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold & Associates. I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, everyone. Hi, John. Welcome to another month. Definitely, definitely. Yes, and hello, and welcome back, and good to be on the virtual podcast circuit again with you, Chris. We are, uh, if you don't know folks, we are into our fifth season here for Watch This Space. And uh, in the dog days of winter, we can only think about uh, the days getting longer and the weather warming up sooner than later. That's, uh, that's a good thing. And I say that for good reason, because I think with the pandemic lightening up, uh, I'm certainly seeing signs of life that there'll be a return to live events soon. I am scheduled to go to the Enterprise Connect event in Orlando later this month, March 21 to 24, I think, are the dates. Uh, I'll be speaking there again, and I'll have some com I'd preview things for you on that later in this podcast. So I'm liking what where the trends are going on that front, Chris. I know people are still very cautious about travel, but uh, I'm getting it from a lot of angles, people wanting to get back to live events and uh, feeling okay about doing it. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's where we all want to be, that's for sure. I know it's not ready for everyone yet, but um, uh, I'm seeing enough signs of confidence and certainly the folks who run Enterprise Connect are seeing the same. Well, it does seem to be heading in that direction, John, at least in the lull or a relative lull, I guess between variants or whatever people do definitely want to get out and socialize and connect the way they do at a live event yeah well we're we're safe here in our virtual bubbles that's that's for sure um but i'm going to come back to that because i want to make a comment later as our threads tie together here today chris on um how that timing might impact a trend that some people think could be very very big soon and I'm going to leave the audience hanging because we'll come back to that. But you have been tracking a few things recently, Chris, right, that we think uh, are worth talking about today. I think so, John. I, I mean, I have, a, I have a thing to start with that's kind of, it's very encouraging. We got some input from one of our loyal fans. And this is someone who really seems to appreciate our podcast. She says so, and she listens every month. And um, she said we weren't quite as clear as we normally are last month when we were talking about Web3 and Vaughn3. And so I thought that would be good to communicate to you and to our audience that we always aim to be very clear, which is why we usually, as analog guys, try to keep it pretty simple. But Web3 and all the topics that were discussed at Vaughn3 is not actually that simple a topic. But I'm, if it's okay with you, John, I'm going to try to take like a minute here and just boil it down, what we were kind of saying. Uh, sound good? And then you can follow? Okay. So here's, here would be my attempt to, to uh, address the fans' feedback. Uh, and I would say 
that there is a big trend emerging in technology that's going to affect more than technology. It's going to affect all of us, as big tech trends typically do, uh, involving a junction or a convergence of the technology behind crypto technology like Bitcoin and the underlying technology called blockchain and the web. And the junction is around a new approach to security. And it's so it's a combination of more encryption, but it coupled with a different kind of openness that we don't right now have. And we do think this is going to be a big thing. It's still very early days. There's lots of angles to it. But I think the angle we were trying to get across was that this new set of technologies has some promise to improve the level of trust among people who are communicating. So, for example, that person who sent you an email, there's a there may be a better way to verify that they are whom they claim to be and that it's a legitimately addressed to you type of email. Same with a text or a phone call. And if that then becomes a reality, you have more discretion as to filter out uh, what you want to accept and what you don't want to accept. And it may even raise options like you're willing to accept advertising, but they have to pay you a little something in order to advertise to you. And that's potentially a very powerful thing and not necessarily bad since we're all overwhelmed by junk now and noise. And it tends to obscure the signal of what we're actually trying to get out of communication. So I think that was what we were trying to convey as kind of the trend or related trend to the, all of this that that gets into our space that we talk about here. But John, I don't know if that made any sense, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah, you know, communications and identity, you know, the Venn diagram there is a pretty strong overlap when we are in a digital environment. That's, that's how it looks to me. Um, coming back to, you know, the umbrella that really the tent that Vaughn 3 is trying to create. There, there's complexity for each of the big kind of ideas that are coming there. Things like NFTs, cryptocurrency, you know, creator economy, Web3. These are all, each of these are distinct trends and, and kind of emerging technology spaces that are complex and for a lot of these things, people, you've got to be kind of immersed in these worlds to be really good at it. And it kind of, we have these silos of expertise in these different spaces. And what people like Jeff Pulver are trying to do, of course, is find the synergies. Where do these things overlap and create new value? You know, this is the new digital economy, this Web3 world we're all seem to be all headed towards. So like you say, Chris, this complexity to each of these things, but there's even more complexity around how you try to make, make them work. And I think for us in our world, when we uh, send, as you say, when we send emails, when we, when we do uh, phone calls, etc., it's generally with, with parties that we know and trust, but it's increasingly as communications becomes more multifaceted, more ways for people to find us, more channels to use it gets harder and harder to know, as you say, who's a trusted contact. And when we get communications from people who we don't recognize 
or they appear to be from people who we know. We all know about that with robocalls and stuff. Um, it's getting harder and harder, and that's why that intersection between identity and communications is so important. Because digital identity is probably our most, kind of the thing we have to keep closest to the vest, right? Because we don't want to give it out. It used to be you could protect it in an analog world from, from just about anyone you don't want to share it with. But now we put so much of it out there. Uh, once people have it, you you know you can be very easily compromised, and we all we all kind of live with that fear of did we say too much? Did we give away too much information? In our in our last social media post, and all of a sudden everyone's got it. Wow, you know that that just lays everything out there for people. So I think it all. It, we're going to get to this next. I think Chris about trust, but certainly that idea of communications exposes our identity. So it it raises the issue of having to be even more vigilant and careful about what we do when we are communicating. It's true. That's true. And as I, as I'm listening to what you're saying, which I agree with, I'm thinking about the past also. And before all of this, the internet came to be what it is. So if you go back to the methods of communication predating uh, the growth of the internet and uh, you go so you go back basically to mail to postal mail and regular telephone calls as they were classically defined and in nearly all countries there was a series of regulations developed around the concept of mail fraud and wire fraud and and impersonation and a lot of other things and eavesdropping that were pretty strictly enforced and the communications monopolies of the time, like the Bell system in the United States, were very, very serious about impersonating callers. And uh, the network physically didn't allow you easily to impersonate where a call came from. And similarly on mail, if a complaint was made that a mail, a mail was fraudulent or not from where it purported to be, there was a pretty established mechanism to go after whoever was sending it. And I'm not saying that's the correct way to do it, but that regime was in place. I don't know how you scale that to the internet, but essentially when the internet was invented and when it grew, that concept of protecting identity in some way or, or enforcing any degree of trust uh, was pretty, pretty weakly embedded in the model. HTTPS, you know, secure sockets layer is what the technical term is, even that is somewhat easily spoofable. And with the growth of companies who could mass place telephone calls and the deregulation of the telephone market, it, there's really no penalty to impersonating or doing whatever you want. It's very hard to prosecute anybody for this. So where you end up is that somehow the system has to evolve uh, to doing it itself. Uh, you see, John, you see what I mean? Like, it's not going to be in a regime of, of regulation and definition that is going to enforce tr any kind of trust, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if I was coming out of college today and thinking about careers, you know, digital law would probably be a pretty good one to go into. Absolutely. And all the technology of trust. Yeah, because the regulations that were developed when the comms were basically a monopoly business, um, I, I don't think they even envisioned, like, anyone, why would anyone do that, 
or you know, are we, you know, the, you know, uh, crime, crime pays, uh, I guess, but um, you know, the the length to which people will go today to 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 steal and rob and whatever um, impersonate is just so many levels beyond what we thought people would ever consider doing back then. That's just how the world has evolved now. But you know, you can make the case that the bad guys are winning, but uh, you know, if there's no trust, none of this stuff goes. Well, the interesting thing about weak identity and and weak trust is that it's it's a bad thing even when there isn't a crime, right, John? Like, so junk mail isn't really a crime unless it causes harm. I mean, there's other things, probably legal niceties that I wouldn't have a clue about, and we don't want to get too complicated. But it's not a crime on uh, to to essentially blitz people with something they may or may not want to receive and they can't easily shut you off because they don't really know if you're legit or not you know like even today's for example email system you can block a number you could block a sender you can filter messages but you really do run the risk of filtering something you don't want to filter because you a you don't know a sender is really who they say and it could be some if you block it on like keywords or something uh you could trap something that you actually wanted to see so there isn't a good system for doing it right exactly yeah it's not it's not perfect and the the measures we take to protect ourselves to filter out the bad stuff eventually you know there's going to be those false positives but also you know mistakes just happen and, and that's just there's no perfect system for it and i I hate to say that the good goes with the bad, but um, we're, we're, you know, everything that, you know, just one last touch on with, with Jeff, but everything that, that that world is based on for success is trust. I mean, if you are going to start introducing NFTs and cryptocurrencies to help people monetize their digital identities and, and you know, really optimize the way they communicate, well, you've got to trust all of these pieces and and where i think it gets really interesting is you know you're starting to emerge here a world that could really be parallel to everything we've done conventionally and this is where i don't know where the digital the gen z's and the next generation of technology innovation is going to take things but the further removed the next generation becomes from the analog world, Chris, that you just talked about with how we communicated and we trusted the mail system, we trusted our phone networks. When you have only know from digital world and digital, uh, you know, ways of doing things, then you natively, you almost ha you have to trust what's there because there are no alternatives, right? There is no going back to a circuit switch phone line that's impossible to hack or trusting letters in the mail and who does that anymore and like okay so if the only options are digital you kind of have to trust it and so I, I, I guess you know we can't ignore trust but it just puts more and more onus on the people who provide trust solutions and develop policies and regulations around trust can enforce it I just think it makes that more and more essential that we understand it and we have the right people making the right rules and enforcing them, etc. But it's interesting when you think if there is no alternative, are we going to have to live in a much more compromised world about trust? Well, I think the way we're going, 
without some kind of work on it, yeah, I mean, I think we are already, right? So this leads me to, I read an article recently about some of the efforts that have been underway to block junk calls and texts. And there is a technology that's emerged and been supported and mandated to some degree by the FCC and other agencies working with the big phone companies, carriers, AT&T, Verizon, et cetera, in the States, Bell Canada, et cetera, that uh, to, to add a, a, a layer of, of verification into the system. And the, the word they use for it is stir shaken, which is actually two pieces and it's technological and not worth going into. But essentially it allows a certain uh, knowledge that if somebody calls you or you call them or text, that they are whom they claim to be. So it's a little bit similar to what they try to do with, for example, verified Twitter accounts with the blue checks where, yes, it could be gamed, but it's really hard to do it. Uh, in fact, the usual complaint is it's too hard to get verified. But what the article said was uh, everybody's aware of how bad the junk call and text situation is to the point where something like between only 10 and 20% of people ever pick up a telephone call, uh, either on cell or landline, that is not from a number who, that they know. And there's actual ramifications to that. Not all good, because that could be somebody calling because they're trying to tell you something you need to know, uh, just like I said with the email filtering. So the industry is trying to get to the point where they can legitimize a call or a text, at least with a verified sender. And it's a long, slow process because the way they're doing it involves every layer of the network it's a big upgrade to a lot of layers of software everybody has to okay and be okay with it and so it's a big to do to get it done and it's expensive and it's time consuming and slow but they are trying to work on it uh so there is an there is an impetus to do it but i think if somebody comes along with something that doesn't require that kind of massive industrial effort to get it done you're going to be very successful right yeah, because it's once trust you erode it in using the phones, as you say, if people aren't going to pick up the phones, then okay, that medium becomes less valuable because it has too many, uh, you know, too many road bumps along the way that that make it, you know, it just limit its utility. Now the, 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 we're talking here mostly about intrusions from relatively low-level inconveniences and bad guys, but it's a very big problem. Uh, but I want to push a little further along that does touch a little bit onto, you know, the Vaughn 3 world. But I'm going to throw out two terms. These are the terms of the day, folks, or my, my, my new big name words to leave you with for the month of March. Um, you may know them, you may not. But these are terms that are going to start to become more kind of central to the conversation of what we're talking about here. One term is synthetic media. And what that's really about is the ability of communications technologies that are largely driven by various forms of AI, okay, are getting to the point now where not only can we impersonate people's voices, but we can do it with a very high degree of accuracy. And not only can we do it with voice, but we could do it with video. And all you need to do, and this is what the bad guys can do, all they need to do is harvest five seconds of your pre-recorded voicemail message to get the intonation of your voice. 
and they can create synthetic forms of that. Now you can use synthetic media for bad or good, but the bad guys generally do it before the good guys do. But it's happening both in audio and in video forms where the level of replication is so high you can't tell the difference very easily. And we've seen all of the fakes, you know, this term deep fakes, right, of being used to, you know, show a clip of the president speaking and then attributing all kinds of things to him that he or her that didn't actually get said. And same thing, of course, for, you know, hijacking your voice, having an AI uh, bot use it and then all of a sudden, you know, use it for unauthorized purposes, that, that kind of thing. I know it's kind of dark, but it's part of what comes with this world when the communications technologies themselves, because this was never, was never part of the conversation, Chris, right, with PSTN. It was just a passive medium. You weren't using it as a, as a way to fake something, to abuse the medium, but that's where AI can take things now. So, as you say, Chris, how do we fight back? So another, the second term of the day, and I'm going to talk a bit about both of these at my talk at Enterprise Connect, is a term called media provenance. So a little bit like the watermark on a picture. So just as AI applications can replicate our voice or our image and do all kinds of things with them, there are also going to be ways to show media provenance. So just like you said about an email, ways to prove that the sender is who we th they claim to be. And so when you start getting into things like validating whether a video is authentic, whether uh, a voice message is authentic, whether an email is authentic, we need more and more of this. So there are bodies moving along this path right now. One is called the Content Authenticity Initiative. And this is where the world of the digital creators and technology players is kind of overlapping or coming together with the worlds of you know regulatory agencies etc etc and people who want to set proper standards so we can embed trust in the communications flow of things because if we're ever going to get to what Jeff talked about with monetizing our voice conversation access to us there's got to be trust right so think about those terms folks media provenance and uh, synthetic media, this is part of what the narrative is going to start to look like more and more as we go down this path. Well, gee, John, as I think about that, I really, all I do is think that it's just that much more important that the technology of establishing and maintaining that trust and provenance is just going to have to become ubiquitous, right? I mean, it just seems like a really kind of important thing. And, you know, kind of even moving to what we often talk about of you know the world of work you know think about the implications of what you just said on the conduct of business and commerce there's a lot of mechanisms in place that could be more shaky you know traditional kinds of mechanisms of party a trusting party b to conduct a transaction that are undermined or could be undermined or you know reduced in effectiveness by some of these things and you see it every day so you would think that the world the the commercial world would be as interested in this as the private world right yeah yeah because if they don't alternatives will emerge you know there are many different dimensions to trust and we see more and more that there are siloed 
information sources where they may or may not be associated with any degree of what is actually going on. They may just express a point of view, but not clearly say that they do. And that's another problem. But I think that's, I think it's kind of a lot to say to tackle that with this technology stuff that we've been talking about, which is really more about is something actually what it purports to be. If you see what I mean, it's, I, I, I think that much of the siloed and different interpretations of things, media that's come out are, are capitalizing on a lot of this because there's no verification of a source on either side of, a, of an issue as to how legitimate the source is. And so in theory, there, there's some applicability of what we've been talking about to, you know, at least verifying that the source is the source. Uh, because then you can do some research into the source, but it's it's all a big muddle, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. And um, you know, again, staying on the communications vein in that mode, the internet was ultimately created and adopted because it provided open source of right sharing information, expressing ideas, reaching audiences in a big way that could never be done before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the good spirit and intentions of that are are completely noble, right? But they are also getting compromised by people who have other ideas and want to leverage those same, you know, qualities to do other things. And that's where it gets to say, yeah, that, that's where it does get kind of scary and says, okay, well, communications, uh, if anybody can be in the game, not just the regulated monopoly, then, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, trust and truth kind of find their own middle ground. They're not absolutes anymore. And, and uh, that, that's a deeper, darker topic. And all I'm going to say to leave us on that note, Chris, is as Groucho Marx famously said, one of my idols, you know, uh, you know, these are my principles. These are my ethics. And if you don't like them, I have others. True enough. True enough. Interesting topic, hopefully more clear than we may have been, but lots more to talk about. And we kind of ran out of time, but maybe next time we can also talk about some of the stuff going on in future work and real estate and other stuff that we've, we tend to keep an eye on. But uh, John, it's going to be great for you at Enterprise Connect. Good luck. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing what you've got from that too next month, right? Yeah, thank you. I sure hope so. And uh, yeah, Metaverse is another topic I did want to get to a little bit, but it will have to wait because we can only go on for so long, folks, before the uh, power company cuts us off. Okay, so on that happy note, let's uh, do our outro and set you guys up for uh, our next podcast. So we are at time for today and we want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing here today, please leave us a review or a rating or a comment for future episodes. We are at your service. So with that, I am Chris Fine. I'm I'm Chris Fine. Ah, You're John Arnold. Okay, dot dot dot. <laughs> so let's just uh, let's just leave it at that and say, in a world without trust, you could totally say you were.
right? <laughs> right. If you believe that I'm Chris, well, that's on you. Yeah, exactly. It's a bad thing. Well, okay. anyway, so that's it for this month. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure. And we will be back to you next month with another episode of Watch This Space. Take care for now.